Hello, everyone. I'm Kevin Miller, and this is The Ziggler Show, where our goal is to inspire your true performance. In this episode, coping with small business downturns in times of crisis now and in the future. As of this episode right now, publishing in March 2020, we are amidst the coronavirus epidemic. Much will be lost in business during these coming weeks and possibly months. Not all is going to be salvaged, but the greatest value is likely going to be how to insulate ourselves from future calamity and not taking the status quo for granted. So I posted this question just days ago on Facebook. Is your business being negatively impacted by the coronavirus? Droves of responses from small business owners who are seeing a slight change in business, a decent decline, or a full-out catastrophe. So I brought on one of the best and brightest minds in small business on the show to co-host with me, Dan Miller of 48 Days to the Work You Love fame. And yes, my very own father. We brainstormed alternative solutions for business. Uh, That's an area of mastery for him. And this was a very frank and candid conversation. As you will hear with some businesses, the best bet is just to hunker down and wait it out right now. While with others, we found options to diversify. And there's some that have options right now to actually maximize their offerings and benefit the public. For all of us, however, the show and discussion just highlighted how we can all be preparing, should all be preparing ourselves to withstand nearly any downturn. That's why this show is still evergreen and is going to benefit people for the long haul, no matter what your business is. So we'll get started right after I share some great products and services with you. Well, hey, I didn't think there'd be anybody on planet earth better equipped to deal with business ideas for folks having a problem during this coronavirus epidemic than you, my dad, uh, Dan Miller. And man, as I look down through these, some of this, I hope I can give some justice to some of them. I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of businesses out there and I I can't say I've got a brilliant idea for all of them. Hoping you do. Oh my. (laughs) Yeah. Or at least there's the pressure. There's a lot of, I don't knows going on right now. No question about it. And I certainly, I went three years pre-med at Ohio State University, that's the extent of my medical knowledge. So yeah. I really don't bring much to the table in that arena. Well, and we can talk about the issues. Yeah. And what, what I'm more concerned about, Kevin, in this whole scenario is not the health issues, but the social and economic issues. Sure, sure. Which is what showed up in your question that you put on Facebook. Well, and that's what I wanted to hit because, yeah, as, uh, as that's going, the health side is the health side. I mean, right now, I don't know anything better to do for my family than to try to stay sequestered, of course, and to keep ourselves bought physically as healthy as we can so that if we get this or when we do whatever, that we can fight it off, hopefully, like you would the flu at home and then recover. I don't know anything more. And I did a show with uh, Dr. Randy James on our on the True Life Show podcast. And we talked about that. And that's, that's what we talked about. The coronavirus, you know, frontline as far as health is to keep ourselves, you know, well and separated from folks. But yeah, just like you, I mean, when this really started to, to come to fruition last week, I was at a conference with Pete Vargas and, you know, Pete, well, 
and it was on speaker. It was four speakers, you know, people who were going to do live events and here we are and getting all the updates and man, all the events just got canned. And these folks are going, especially for the ones that are heavy, either they, they fund their businesses heavily through, uh, putting events on, or they are the speakers that come to those events and they're, uh, you know, they're in a, in a world hurt. And yeah, that was the spirit of what this was. So, so who, who out there with a business is being negatively affected? If you got a grocery store, you're in good shape. Uh, other than that, yep. lot, lots of problems. And pharmacies. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, so I'll just read down here and we'll see who we can give a little justice to, or if, if not anything, some sympathy. All right. Marianne uh, Schutz, we own an international QSR franchise location. I looked that up and apparently it's a food services. Is that what you know? Yeah, I think it's fast food. Yeah, yeah, okay. We are sanitizing all surfaces at least every hour, usually more. Sales are down double digits. We're short staffed because some came back from spring break and needed to self-isolate for 14 days. Staff are thoroughly and regularly washing their hands so much that their hands are extra dry. We're trying to stay positive around staff and be great leaders. The hard part is that January and February were tough months for the food business. Everyone is down. Uh, now is when sales usually pick up. This is going to be hard on many small businesses. Our personal value and marketing strategy has always been to spread the love in our town. We give away free products to charities and teams and donate gift certificates, coupons. We do sponsorships and fundraisers, bring our mascot to events and high five the kids. We'll continue to spread the love as long as we're allowed. We also stress our appreciation for our staff and customers. And I asked her, is there, you know, what is she brainstormed so far? She said, just our personal value and marketing strategy. It's been to spread the love in our town. Um, and so she reiterated that we give away free product and we're really involved in the community. So that sounds good. But then still, what do they do if people are not coming in, which they're not at this point, you're going to be shamed if you do go out and, and go into a restaurant. And most of them have been, been, well, have they been, is everybody required to close doors? I know here in my town, it's, there's places saying you can order something and then come either have it delivered or come and get it curbside. Uh, now, there were some mandates here in Nashville to close the bars yeah. down on Broadway, which is a big part of Nashville's iconic reputation. Yeah. Those are bars. Those are where people are not just going to get food, but they're sitting there hanging around for three hours. So those were ordered to close, and they did. Most restaurants have been asked to reduce their seating to 50%, and then the takeouts are still okay. And then those that have inside seating, like McDonald's and Taco Bell, have closed inside seating. Even Sonic has roped off their tables, which are outside, huh. and only doing carry-out service. Okay. But those, those are continuing. So with Mary Ann's situation, yeah, I mean, it's tough, and it's going to be a downturn, no question about it. Nobody anticipated this, but this is one of those times where we have to, we have to realize that in the long scope of business, there are going to be unexpected things that happen. The water heater goes out, and you're closed for four days. There are going to be those things. This is one of those. The tough part is we don't have a real handle on how long it's going to continue. Yeah. So if this ha happens for two weeks, hopefully businesses have enough margin that they can just pick up again and go on from there. If it goes for two months, then it's going to be a different story for sure. There are going to be people, employees that are hurt dramatically and businesses close the doors, maybe never to open again. 
Well, so on this, I mean, obviously, if she has involvement with the community, which is great, and I would hope has some kind of access to them, whether it's an email list, a Facebook presence, some kind of a social media presence where she can contact her customers and try to do some specials on what food they do have to offer and having curbside delivery. You know, there's a lot of kids out of work now, of course, because of places that have shut down. Can she bring some of those on and do actual delivery? Is that relevant. I don't know how, what licensing looks like to do that quickly. And could something else be added there for my small town? Of course, we're a rural area, not a whole lot of options for delivery. If I wanted delivery from the grocery store, I don't think I have an option. Is there a place like this that could try to, or, you know, a pizza place that already delivers that could try to add in, Hey, we will help you get groceries if you want to make orders and scramble to do something like that. But I think it comes back to what you said. If it's only going to be two weeks, man, that's a lot of effort to put into another stream of income. If they're going to be back up in two weeks, but if it's two months might be viable. Well, we're, we're so new into this, yeah. but you know, we're, we're already seeing things. I mean, obviously this started in China and I think we have to have a kind of an overview perspective of this. You know, we're getting updates even today yeah. that um, new vaccines are being developed. And in China, China has already closed down its last temporary hospital that was built to handle this virus. It's closed down. There weren't enough new cases to warrant that. Um, there are, Apple has reopened all 42 of its Apple stores in China. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, this happened, started there. And Glenn Beck said the other night that we're about 50 days behind China. So we're seeing this come through. That was several days ago. So they're already opening things up. And it's not that that's back to normal. We don't want to minimize it in that way. But there's a whole lot of things that are kind of coming back, showing that this is probably not going to be months and months yeah that it may be a couple of weeks and i think in that period of time we just need to be realistic like you were talking about you know speakers who are having their events canceled my goodness i mean i've had everything cancel mm -hmm. um in the for the next month at least now i've had some events reschedule into august and september and of course we're expecting by then that things will be okay to have events again yeah but uh you know, we, we just have to realize that this is a change. And I think trying to force things to be just the same is probably not a good effort. We ought to be able just to just unplug. Let's unplug for a couple of weeks and then hopefully see that there's some new opportunities to return to normalcy. Okay. Well, so yeah, back to, you know, just for Marianne, then it may be do your best if you can with the curbside delivery. I do know places in town here have mostly shut their doors where I live. The restaurants, you can't come in, but you can order, make the order, knock on the door, I guess, and they'll come out and hand it to you. Right. Um, so that's yeah. still happening. And that kind of a business that is right on the forefront of what they're being asked that would shut down, yeah, I would say kill overhead, just uh -huh shut it down so there's no overhead so there's no expenses trying to keep things going and give it a few days at yeah. least well jessica morrier here and she has a small gym so she has a physical gym that people primarily primarily if not all women come into and do classes so i know that well my wife does them three times a week she goes to the gym and she takes zumba classes and different things like that so she has that she has does do online classes 
But yes, as her revenue is going to drop, I asked what the current revenue streams are. She says in-person challenges, uh, rentals, I think of her, of her place, which of course are gone away and online challenges. Well, obviously the online aspect is a way to go. And I've seen a lot of people in the health and wellness industry going towards that direction. Now I did ask her if she has monthly memberships and she says, no, which I, I glanced down and looked at that as well, because that was my first thought. Yeah. Most fitness centers are on monthly plans. And, and right now, now, I don't know if this relates on, well, now the gym here in my town is shut. So the one that my wife goes to is, is, is shut down. They can't do that. But I think tonight, or was it last night, her Zumba class was online. So she could have participated and just made use of her monthly membership. Now she's not going to go cancel that membership, you know, right now, not unless we're talking months, she's going to keep it there. Most people are gym memberships. I don't know what the average is. I think she's paying 40 bucks, which might be on the high end of, we're in a small town, of course. Yeah, Planet Fitness you can do for ten bucks a month. Oh goodness! That's okay. At the at the low end. Okay. Uh, and you know, people aren't likely to request canceling that. You know, if we if we go even for a month, but if you don't have that, then obviously Jessica is in a different position. If her revenue is just linear, meaning that people come in and pay for whatever they receive that time, and that's it. That is different. Yeah, jump on contact members, see if you can do an online session with them. I mean, the monthly memberships I am a fan of. We know that subscriptions right now, now it's primarily online subscriptions, and I assume that it's primarily media, you know, Netflix and whatnot. They're seeing all the subscription services like that are on an increase. It's one of the few areas where we're seeing that. I mean, for Jessica's business in general, I would say to look at a monthly membership. The residual income is great. It helps people participate more, I, I think, is what I see. And I do wonder, especially if this current issue continues and there is more people being remote trying to do things online will that cause a continual uptick in such things uh i have no idea or will it rebound and go the other way either way i sure would add a, a membership and some online opportunities to a business like hers right and this is a time when a lot of businesses will we'd be reevaluating how they do business and so there's always that positive outcome of an unexpected or unwelcome challenge. I mean, I work with people every day who, without anticipating it, you know, were let go of their jobs or whatever happened. But in the other side of that, you know, almost without exception, people say, well, it's the best thing that ever happened to me because it forced me to look at new opportunities that I didn't recognize. Mm. Now, I'm not, again, just saying that's an easy kind of solution, but a lot of businesses here, here here's an example. A couple of years ago, Kevin, as you know, the county where I live, after 12 years of doing live events here in our property, the county showed up and says, you can't do that anymore. And we were doing live events where we would have 60 people at a time paying $1,000, and we were doing seven of those events a year. So it was a significant part of our income. And the county says, you can't do that anymore. Well, it was kind of devastating at first. Then we thought, well, let's move this rather than having live events where we have more of our activity, our community engagement online in monthly memberships. We've done that. Now we have a really robust robust online community, not dependent at all on live events, and it looks like I was a genius. Well, no, I wasn't. I was responding to something that I didn't want, but it forced me to look at other ways to do business. And one of those was to move most of what we do online. Okay, well, since you're not gonna say it, I just happened to see my email and I got an email from Dan Miller. And it said the 48 Eagles community is taking new members 
and you're doing 60 days for only a buck a month. And I get that right. A dollar total, a dollar total for 60 days. Okay. Well, I was going to, I was going to one, I was going to give you a better offer a dollar. Folks send the other two bucks to me. But if you go to 48 days, the number four, eight, four, eight days, eagles.com, uh, that just came out. Well, I say that today we're recording this March 19th. This is going to come out next week. So you're well within your 60 days. So a dollar that is the 40, that is your online, uh, community that's incredibly active. And yeah, I'm aware of so many of the people that were at your live events are now, uh, communicating in there and communicating much more than they were able to do with your live event. So yeah, it seems like it's a win-win all around. So a uh, shameless promotion on that again, four, four, eight, 48 days, eagles.com. And right now what was normally $48 a month, $48 month. bucks a month is a dollar for 60 days. Uh, now let's, yeah, go. Since, since you, since you shared that, I want to address that a little bit yeah. because we've seen you know, the dude who bought 18,000 containers of hand sanitizer and he's right. going to sell them for 10 bucks a piece when he paid 38 cents. You know that I really cringe at that. This is not a time to take advantage of people, to take advantage of the situation in a way and like that. You know, we don't want to compromise our moral compass in times like this. And I really struggled with this. You know, what should our response be? But we have seen such an explosion of engagement in our online communities where people are sharing ideas and hope and saying, hey, I'm doing this. Maybe you could do this in your business. And I thought of the most valuable thing that I could give to people. So we opened the door for 300 people only. We can't handle everybody, but 300 people to join us for 60 days. There's no obligation or anything beyond that. Now, in terms of business, do I know that at the end of that 60 days, a lot of those people will want to continue and convert into regular. Sure. Of course. Yeah. Know that. But if they don't, that's okay too. I, we're going to give them materials. I'm going to send them physical books and everything for that $1. I want to really want to serve them well. And if they get solutions and get back in the game in a way that's profitable for them, hey, I'm their biggest fan. I mean, I, I, we, we do a lot of things with that, that where we have no, monetary compensation for it, but it just gives people hope and encouragement. And I want to continue doing that. And I want to make sure that we do it in this time in a way that doesn't come across as sleazy or manipulative. And I have seen a lot of people cringing about that. Yeah. Is it immoral to go out and offer anything new? And yet on the other side, we've got people who are, their businesses are in jeopardy. I'm saying, gosh, they, they need to be creative and go out there. What can they offer something of value? So I love that. What you did is again, it's a win-win all, all along. Well, actually, no, it's, the risk is on your side because if people come in, they engage a lot. You have staff that is going to engage with them. That staff is getting paid. You're going to make a whopping $300 for 300 people to come in there over the next 60 days. If every one of them cancels, you just had an investment that didn't uh, work out financially so good. You'll be happy that you helped some people. But yeah, chances are some of those are going to retain there and they got uh, for a buck, they got what would cost them $144. It's a good balanced, you know, investment on both sides. I, I love yep. it. Yeah. And, well, and, we're having, and I'm, I'm watching it as we're speaking here. Yeah. The number of people coming in, it's just a constant stream of people coming in. Oh, well, so folks hurry. You are listening to the Ziegler show and the special episode dealing with small business crisis. 
during the coronavirus. But as I referenced in the intro, this is highly relevant for us in all our businesses at any time to safeguard ourselves for the future and so many things that can happen to threaten our revenue. Coming up next, we address two different gentlemen with home service businesses such as painting and remodeling. Uh, and we, I hope, do some justice to some options they may have right now. We'll dive right back in after I share some great products and services. Well, here's a couple, uh, Clinton Rowe. He says, uh, unfortunately his business is going to hurt. He's a, he's paints and painting one's house is not a priority right now. I've had to cancel one and, and two reschedule, uh, reschedule two others for a much later time. Let me throw another one in there, dad, because a little bit further down, Chris Alsop, he says, it's hard to tell right away the swing, uh, taking effect in the past week, we're a home improvement business installing decks, fences, windows, roofing, and more. We are still setting appointments and have multiple projects on the books. I feel for everyone during this time as they are home. I think they're trying to get some projects completed before spring. We'll keep working, helping to accomplish uh, the customer's visions for their projects. I, I mean, you know, to take advantage of the time and again, to help people uh, deal with the, the objections that may come into their mind. Right now, my thought was if I've got house stuff doing for me as a homeowner, often the biggest issue is coordinating with the person who's going to be working on my house. You've got to go talk to them. You know, maybe it's going to be the middle of the day and you work somewhere else. How do you coordinate that? That's the hassle. Even for me, I'm self-employed, but if I'm going to be at work doing shows like this, I'm at my office and somebody says, Hey, I can meet you at two. I got to go back home or decide, am I going to work home for that day? Well, now if everybody is home, maybe you can make a case that, Hey, this is a great time. You're at home anyways, for us to show up when we show up and for you to help coordinate what it is you need done to even participate and monitor as you go along, could we try to take advantage of people being home and uh, make it a, a win-win for them as well? Well, I have, there's a lady in my mastermind who has a big construction company over in Virginia. She says that their request for bids has increased because huh. people say they've got more time yeah. to focus on the projects that they wanted to do in the okay. spring anyway. They're seeing an uptick. And frankly, uh, we just, like Clinton says, painting houses isn't a priority. We just had almost the entire downstairs of our house painted last week. Now, we wanted to move forward with that. We were thrilled that the painters were available to come in so quickly. So we coordinated that right during this time. You know, it was $4,700, but uh, we had them come in and do that. Because we felt so fortunate, to be able you didn't to get you didn't tip them a hundred bucks to make it forty eight, even forty eight. Your your mom did, did tip them fifty dollars. I saw <laughs> the check. Great. I know. I wondered too. She should have just made it even forty eight hundred. Yeah. But we were thrilled to do that. Also, I just uh, like right now. I need a a new windshield on my Corvette, and I checked around this morning and made arrangements to have them come out mobile delivery because I had some free time. I've been wanting to do it. So I made some phone calls, coordinated the parts and everything doing that. So, you know, let's, let's not assume that everybody is just going to put on the brakes. There may be some people who see this as an opportunity to focus more on the projects they need to do at home. I mean, I think everybody agrees that we're going to get through this. I mean, we look back historically, there have been horrible things that have happened. And then but when we look at it in the light of history, you know, it was, I mean, one of the biggest stock market crashes. Well, after, after um, 
well, one of the biggest stock market crashes, it took 57 days to recover from that until it was back fully where it was prior to that. Even things like 9-11 with all the horrendous things that happened around that. I mean, it was a fairly short period of time until things economically had recovered again. This may have a little more of a tail because it's a health kind of thing. But when we look back again, historically, my goodness, back in 249 AD, the city of Rome was losing 5,000 people a day because they had one of the deadliest pandemics in, in history, 5,000 people a day. And yet people banded together and said, this is a time of unimaginable joy because we have opportunity to really live out our faith and help each other. You know, one of the things that I am concerned about with this is that we just self-isolate and that we no longer are helping each other, doing things for each other. It reminds me of the, the story of the Good Samaritan in the Bible. I mean, if I see somebody right now who's really struggled, do I just walk around the other side of the road to protect myself? I mean, there's some dangers that in this that we stop caring about other people. And so there are ways to connect and even, even service people. My goodness, I'm going to continue to have service people come and I'm anticipating next week having our yard guys get started with spring cleanup here. We aren't going to say, no, don't come on our property. No, I think there are a lot of things that continue that don't, you know, what we're really concerned about are the things that confine us together in close physical spaces. Yeah. There are a lot of things that are happening in our economy that don't really require that. Well, it does pull out the reality that, and we know this stat that we're in this age of hyper-connectedness, but less intimacy. We don't have community where we used to rely on community. We don't have to anymore, just like we used to have to uh, in, in, uh, partake of physical activity every day just to live. You experienced that back on the farm. Uh, you didn't have to exercise. Life was exercise. Today, we don't. We have to artificially inseminate exercise in there because we can survive completely sedentary. We can survive, most of us, without community until something like this happens and you realize, Oh my goodness, how fragile we have allowed it to get. So yeah, hopefully it will motivate all of us to strengthen our community, strengthen our, you know, there's something you said, dad, to me a couple months ago that was on an aspect of community of relationships of making sure that you had a number of people. How many people did you have in your life that were close enough friends? It was to, to lend you money if you needed it. My 3 a.m. list. Yeah, yeah, sure that. 3 a.m. list. Who could you call at 3 a.m. and ask them? I used as in that example, you know, ask them for $10,000. Not that you're looking for rich friends, but people who care enough about you yeah. that they would actually help you out in that significant way. And my recommendation was that you have as many people as you are years old. Mm-hmm. My list is pretty long. I, and it is. And that's a high, and that's going to be a high calling for a lot of people. I mean, I think for most that even think, do you have five people that you could ask for 500 bucks or to come watch your kids while you're at the hospital with your wife? I mean, is there, are, are there those tight enough relationships that you can call on somebody to actually give help? And we, I think more and more people in an unfortunate amount, even hearing this are going to realize I, I don't. That is what I feel this is a wake up call to. And there's some pieces in my life where I realized, how did I let things get so tenuous on something like this, where I am not self-sustaining enough over here to withstand the machine running like we expect it to go. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, here's one, uh, again, not, not home services, but, uh, he's a realtor, Evan. He says homeowners, uh, will not want people in their, I hadn't thought about this in their homes, uh, to show their homes and buyers tend to have resistance uh, to buying when the economy seems to be struggling. Um, you're in the mar- you're, you're in that market right now, looking at homes and We're shopping for homes. Yeah. And so again, is it, you know, are we going to see anything significant here or is it just, hey, let's just take a two week hiatus and hope that that sees us through. We've, we've looked at probably 40 homes in the last couple of months, and almost 100% of the time, the homeowners aren't there. It's just empty, and a realtor takes us in and out. And again, so there's no physical contact with that. I don't see that as a high-risk industry right now. I think people will continue to look for homes. Um, we're, frankly anticipating that this may make make more motivated sellers yeah to work to our advantage so we're eager to up up the ante in terms of our intensity of looking and making a decision right during this time the, the other thing the other side of this for Evan who's in real estate I mean we know what the Federal Reserve did to interest rates knocked it oh. essentially to zero there are well I think you got some car dealership questions in here you know they've knocked financing a car to zero, zero for 84 months. I mean, we've never seen that in history. That sounds ludicrous, but money is incredibly cheap right now. You can lock in a 30 year loan for 3.25%. So there are people who are eager to make transactions because the interest rates are so low. There are investors who are saying, wow, this is a time they're going to get out and get properties because money is so inexpensive to get. I think real estate is one of the ones that can thrive right through this scenario. Well, and this, and I've seen that too. The investors are saying, man, this is not the time to, to, to sell or stop. This is the time to buy because it's a buyer's market. And that may be the case with real estate as well. But I think what a lot of people are going to be facing, and this will be very Dave Ramsey-esque, is are we prepared? Are we living month to month, check to check, and we have no margin? And just one two weeks out of the game, man, is going to tank you, or, or much less yeah. than four weeks or two months. Months, and I feel like that's a big calling to a lot of people, not just as individuals, but even businesses where Dave talks about having three months of your income in savings to get you by in case of emergency, like we would be in now, how many businesses are prepared to run and continue going and paying their employees and staying up if they have three months of no revenue. And I wonder if it's going to be the case of, as, as we're all saying, man, I wish I had food stockpiled. I wish I had X stockpiled. I've heard people talking about what if it goes completely South and you know, we don't have electricity. Are we prepared for that? The folks with solar panels, which I have two in my neighborhood, they're good to go and they can give it to their neighbors. You know, I don't know how far we need to go, but kind of coming back to where are we in as a self-sustaining people, in general, we've, I think we've gotten further and further away from that. And this is kind of the way that it is the wake up call to me to, to, I I had a sleepless uh, morning, just thinking about that, thinking about my own responsibility of being self sustaining. I don't even have a generator anymore. I got rid of that. Uh, And again, not to go to the stockpiling and having your hobbit hole full of uh, supplies for the next 10 years. But do I even that just say, do I have three months of savings? Does my business have three months of revenue? I had a long conversation yesterday with a pastor of a large church, and I've had conversations with probably half a dozen pastors in the last week. 
there are a lot of churches who have no margin. Mm -hmm. They can do virtual services, but if people aren't there, they don't drop money in the offering plate. A lot of churches have no reserve. Now the, the, uh, I talked to one pastor and he said they have 14 weeks of reserve at any given time. They have kind of a mathematical formula for that. So they're ready, but they're not just for-profit organizations. There are others that just have no reserves at all. And it, it goes back to the, when the, I mean, in that sense, we can go back to the idea of living on faith, just having mm-hmm. faith. Well, faith is fine, but again, we need to be in practical plans as well. But this is, again, kind of a wake-up call for any organization, no matter what kind of business it is, what industry it is, and whether it's a nonprofit or a church, you know, what do we do when there are unexpected things come where it's not just the same week after week after week? Mm-hmm. That'll be interesting to see how this plays out regardless of how long it goes. Because even if we do look at what a gift it would be if two weeks from now we're able to kind of come back into a semblance of reality. And of course, the question or the scare that people have uh, with that or that they're showcasing in a a very real issue is do we all come back in? And that helps proliferate, uh, you know, kind of gives us a second second rise of coronavirus or does it come back in the fall? So again, it feels like it's still a call for us to all uh, remain diligent and look at ways that we can exist if things don't continue as they always do. Well, and some of the things that we're being reminded to do, you know, wash your hands, blah, blah, blah. I mean, those are things we ought to be doing anyway. Mm. So it's, I don't think we'll go back to the old normal. I think there will be a new future going forward, but I hope that it doesn't uh, make us more isolated, more unconnected than we already are. That I hope does rebound and come back again. Yeah. Well, here's a couple other, I'm going to group these together and these are professions, you know, well, dad, Mo Skelton, he says, I'm expecting things to change, but in South Oklahoma, we change more slowly. That's geography. In my work, I'm a physical therapist. I cannot bill insurance for telemedicine. So until we cannot, so we cannot keep our doors open, we will see patients. We also serve the at risk population. So even though our revenue is not changed in real time, there's a possibility of it decreasing substantially. I'm going to group with that change. Chelsea Connolly. She says, apparently no one wants a massage uh, during this time. Who would have guessed? I'm a single mom. It's my only income. So I'm brainstorming any ideas in case this lasts any significant amount of time. And interestingly, my daughter, uh, one of your grandkids is, uh, she does massage. She's in, she does it up in Crested Butte ski town and they have shut down the ski resort and the spa that she worked at. And she, as a masseuse, she's, she's out of business there. And of course, the first thing we talked about is, gosh, is there the opportunity to go into people's homes? And right now, I think while it's in a critical place, yeah, nobody really wants to do anything. And it's at a bit of a standstill. And I saw something come out today from the, gosh, what it would be, American Massage uh, Therapy Association, maybe AMTA, where they're looking at how can they try to support their workers. So Chelsea, if you're not aware of that, uh, type in AMTA, America, American Massage Therapy. So I think that's what it is. And they're looking at ways they can help support. But those are very real. You have uh, somebody who comes to your home every week. I wouldn't surprise me if you continued that, but I could see a lot of people not wanting to say, hey, no, this is not the time. Let's keep everybody at bay. So for, um, go ahead. I'm scheduled for tomorrow. Yeah. Your mom at three o'clock, me at four. 
and our massage therapist will be here. Now, again, I don't want to be cavalier about this whole thing, but she's coming to our house. We aren't going to some facility that we don't know about where she's coming to our very clean house. She's very, very uh, cautious about her own cleanliness, obviously. So one person coming into our home, we think that the benefits outweigh the risk. And again, I, I don't want to make that sound like a fool, but we, we're going to continue with that. Our massage therapist is a single mom. So there are multiple reasons for us doing that. We don't want to see her, you know, lose her house, not be able to put food on the table for her two kids. We'd help her out even if she didn't come and do a massage. We feel that strongly about our relationship to her. But she's going to come and give us massages during this period of time. And I've talked to her about her client load. Yeah, she had somebody, like one person, cancel. But again, her model, instead of everybody coming into an unknown facility, she goes to their house. I think that's a great compromise. And I would recommend that for Chelsea. Uh, by all means, yeah. To offer to do that. Well, and and again, we're, if we're talking beyond just the current crisis and looking at how can we be sustainable long term, if things do not continue in the norm we always expect, I like it there. Now, some people, I'm sure, are going to look at that and go, "Well, gosh, she's she's going to your house and five others. That's the opportunity to spread." There's pros and cons that we can debate. And again, we're in this critical time uh, now, and I think we all have to make our choices. I mean, I could make the choice to not go to the grocery store, make sure I'm not exposed today because of the benefit of healthy, fresh produce to my family. I'm going to go grab some. I'm going to try to be quick. And you you know, going to the grocery store, there's 50 people Mm -hmm. who have handled what you're going to get. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is a slippery slope. There's no end unless you just want to be a hermit somewhere. But uh, most of us are integrated enough I mean, what if I walk down the mailbox like I did a few minutes ago and get the mail? How many people handled that mail before I grabbed it out of the mailbox with no concern at all with my bare hands? And it just, yeah, I mean, well, continue. There, yeah, there's the immediate crisis and then there's the long-term ramifications and also just stewardship of our business as being smart. I'll, I'll speak to Mo in saying that I'm a physical therapist. I cannot bill insurance for telemedicine. Most people know that I have my foot in, a, in the door of another business that is a medical practice. It's where my studio is. It's where I'm standing right now on the other side of my office uh, of my wall in my office here is Dr. Randy James, my co-host for the true life show and your doctor dad. Um, and he's over there talking nonstop. Every one of his patients that would come into the office has switched to phone, which a lot of them did anyways. Now he jumped out of the insurance model. That's a big discussion. Mo, I'm sure you're aware of that. There's more and more, uh, uh, cash based practices these days. He did it not for this reason necessarily. He did it long ago because insurance covered such a short amount of, uh, provision from him that it didn't support the in-depth, uh, bigger provision that he wanted to give. So he went to it for that aspect, as well as the other benefits of not being insurance based. Now there are hybrids and it's, again, it's another thing to look at that no matter what's going on, should a 
somebody doing massage in a spa like my daughter, should she always have her foot in the door of a mobile opportunity to give her, in a sense, multiple streams of income? With you, Mo, if you're totally insurance-based, you know the headaches that are around that anyways. Is there a, a, a call to look at an opportunity for telemedicine, even if you're providing some service above and beyond and you take some insurance, take some telemedicine? Um, and again, I, you're a physical therapist. I know that's very hands-on work, but uh, you know what? Actually, Dad, there's a chiropractor. Yeah, the question there is, you know, yeah. would people pay for physical therapy yep. if their insurance did not pay? Well, sure they would. I mean, there's lots of people who, if that was a choice, you know, either to get help walking again or to get rid of their shoulder pain or whatever, sure, they would. So that's not a, a one size fits all, just like Randy, you know, your, your friend, Dr. Randy James. Yeah. I mean, he doesn't look for insurance, but he looks for people who care enough about their health to go in depth and long-term where he doesn't have to see somebody for three minutes. He can see him for two hours and then they pay as a result of that. It's just a different model. And I know, we're, yeah. And I know we're talking about money and people are saying, gosh, I can't, you know, my health insurance costs so much and not to go down this road too far. My health insurance costs too much. I've got to use what it will cover. And of course, uh, more and more we're seeing it doesn't cover the the best practitioners that we want to see, which is what has brought a lot of people to a medical cost sharing opportunity, which is what I personally participate in uh, with True Life Protect. That's the one that we helped uh, broker. And I'm in that. I save a truckload of money on my family. Instead of paying 1500 bucks a month, I'm at about 500. But then when I go see a provider like that, my insurance, which it's not, it's not covering it. I pay for out of pocket. So I get a cash deal and I go see who I want and get the kind of care that I want. And speaking of that, Grove Higgins, so he's the chiropractor. I know Grove. He's down in Colorado Springs. He's incredible, incredible chiropractor, does much more than that. And he says, as a healthcare practitioner and small business owner, it is a bit scary. If I'm exposed to the virus, I must do a 14 day quarantine but that's 14 days of lost income. So I'm doing everything to keep myself and family healthy. We're cleaning frequently between patients, trying to communicate and engage patients more aggressively. Also, I have patients around the country and work with people around the world too. So trying to increase my online engagement to support my local and distance people where they are if they are isolated. And I ask him if he'd share some of the services that he does that are outside of the in-office hands-on. And he says he has a knee patient in Sweden and have helped solve back pain at the medical camp on Mount Everest. We use video, voice, and text to help the other person explore their issue, discover drills that help, and then track them to resolution. We also uh, help them find the right people to talk to locally and ask the right questions to get what they need and get well and out of the pain quickly as quickly as they can. And, you know, that speaks to, I'll speak to Grove, just like Dr. Randy James, they have really, they have and do seek to be masters at what they do and in specific areas. And they have very much differentiated themselves from the crowd so that not only do patients come from far and wide to seek out their care, but even other practitioners come to seek out their guidance in their actual medical provisions, but even in their business models. Randy gets that a lot of going, gosh, how did you go from an an insurance-based model over into cash-based? But more to the point of being a continual learner and mastering areas of their profession so they have something more to provide than the next doc next door. 
Oh my gosh. Yeah. And, and chiropractors have such an opportunity with that. And I see Grove says he's using, you know, video voice and text. Wow. That's awesome. And, and a lot of chiropractors of course are really experienced uh, health advisors yeah. as well. So they can do things in the, you know, what are you doing in your diet? You know, what do you do in nutrition exercise? A lot of that information can be communicated just like we are here where it doesn't have to be physically together but it can be communicated to help the person move toward better health overall. Yeah. And it just it comes back to what Mo said about telemedicine though, for those practitioners who are relying on insurance, you are limited because you're right. There's not a doctor out there. If you're on insurance, you have no motivation and no real ability to serve in a telemedicine standpoint because you don't make a dime uh, for the most part. There's some caveats here and there, but for the most, uh, most part it's not. And so is that something for you to look forward to in the future, I think for anybody in the medical arena, especially if you want to provide better care than the norm. When we're talking about physical therapy and massage together, I mean, massage typically is not covered by insurance. True, yeah. People just pay for that because they enjoy the benefits. Well, the same thing, you could make a case for that in physical therapy. So, you know, if, if somebody needs to move to a self-pay model, we, we can't just assume, I mean, I live in the 10th wealthiest county in the United States. There's a whole lot of people here who are gonna go ahead and enjoy the benefits of something like physically like that, even if they aren't gonna get a third party pay to step up to the plate, it's a non-issue. Sometimes we just assume, no, that's the model. That's the only thing people will do. Nah, I mean, yeah. I, do, I do coaching rather than counseling. My background academically, as you know, Kevin, is in counseling. I don't want to do counseling. It moves too slowly. But in counseling, people are used to having that be insurance paid. It's relevant there. Yeah. I've never dealt with that. I've never gotten insurance pay for what I do in coaching. Coaching is not cheap. People recognize it as a way to move their life forward quickly and positively. They pay for it. Yeah, and you match what they value, and you match up what you get ultimately from an insurance relationship, providing a service for a patient, and what you get out of pocket, and it's nickels on the dollar. Oh my, um, yeah. Well, you mentioned this one. Uh, you already referred to it, Joel Davidson. I'm a finance manager at a franchise auto dealership. It's not impacting them much yet, but uh, definitely less walk-in traffic. And then he's the one that said, "Yeah, they've got some special financing that has come down from, in their case, from GM, uh, some big consumer incentives." So that's smart. Again, it's similar to what you did 48 days. That's crazy. Yeah, zero percent. Yeah, it is. Yeah. yeah, get them in the vehicle because you know. If you treat them right, they're going to become a long-term customer. Yeah. They're going to come back for service. They're going to refer their friends. Get the cars out the door. And I, I get, I see it as a service. I don't see it as a taking advantage. That's a service to the people right now who want to hold on to their money. And, uh, you know, generally they're going to be people who would have done that at some point anyways and wanted to. So, yeah, I like it. Uh, Jennifer Beaumont, she says radio advertising sales with many of the problems listed above, not advertising is a way to cut expenses. What I'm trying to do in response is step away from event, event based and tourist based businesses, usually very, very big for her in the spring and call on businesses that will be needed regardless. Boy, that, you know, the advertising arena, I know in the past few days, and of course I do advertising here on the Ziegler show, uh, we had, I've seen some advertisers with what I would call non-essential products pull out 
And we've had some other ones who are trying to provide services during this time come in. One of them is a, uh, goodness, it's a company that that's doing some predictions on where retail business will go right now. Where it's, what's happening? What are the trends right now? And they're jumping on the bandwagon to provide that service. I thought it was great. I looked at it. I sent it to some friends. And uh, so they're coming in. But yeah, I think for sure the advertisers, the ad companies who have non, well, I say non-essentials, you know, I'd say Cheetos is non-essentials too, but th- those things are being eaten in mass while people sit at home and have comfort food. So I, there we've got uh, to look at, but I think for Jennifer to look at what advertise, are there some advertise, are there some companies, products and services out there that may not normally advertise that this is a big time for them? This could be a time to capitalize on providing something that people are in more desire of, like a mobile service, in essence. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, radio advertising sales co- covers such a broad spectrum of possibilities. Certainly, things that are event based, tourist based, they're taking a big hit right now. Now, are they? going to be anticipating things in the fall and next spring surely they will but right now people are panicked yeah but y'all go to the you know i'll go to the the car dealers and local service businesses like that i think people will recognize this may be an opportunity to step in where there's not as much noise in the advertising space not the normal in there where you've got the big players who are sucking up all the advertising spots where they get a chance to make their voice heard Yeah. Yeah. Get a good deal on somebody who is delivering meals, delivering groceries, something like that, that needs to get the word out and that people have a need for all of a sudden that wasn't as dire a week ago. uh, Even, you know, I even you talking about businesses. I mean, they've got to look long term. I got a note from my literary agent yesterday and talking about that the, the publishers can't just stop all of a sudden buying books. If they do, what happens a year from now when said book would come out? They're going to have nothing coming out. I mean, they can't. So they've got to continue looking at the big picture. And I think that's the case for most businesses. Again, outside of a maybe a two week. Okay, <clears throat> let's see where this let's, let's hunker down. But at some point, we're all going to have to figure out how to resume uh, business for the most part. Yeah. Uh, Mary Smith, she says, every paid speaking gig training and presentation I had scheduled through May has been canceled. I trained teachers using Ziegler materials, disc personality models, the power of professionals journaling, hiring for a higher achieving culture and climate and other education related topics. And this is one I'm going to add in there, dad, that somebody, I, I do have a few that were sent in anonymously. And this is one. Uh, he said, and this, this gentleman is from Malaysia. He said yesterday the prime minister had issued a lockdown statement for Malaysia uh, through the 31st of March and only outlets selling essential items plus crucial services can open their businesses. Schools, education centers, and training has to be closed. And that's what this gentleman is a part of. I have cancellations until further notice. Uh, I trust most of the training providers will be struggling in times like this. Uh, and, and to be candid, I, uh, was, was, I would have been, let's see, last week in Malaysia, uh, at a speaking gig and uh, they postponed it uh, because of this. They post, they were actually a really, I call them an early responder to this because at the time I thought, are you serious? Oh, well now thank goodness. Cause I'd probably be stuck there at this point. I would have been flying back on the yeah. 15th, just a few days ago. Um, and, uh, yeah, so back to events. And I mentioned that with Pete Vargas, you know, and people who are doing that. Yeah. Th- right now we're in a crux and they are, I know Pete for his sake is saying, Hey, let's all double down on the digital 
platforms, which again, I would say for any company doing a presentation, you know, having events and, and speakers who are, who are attending those that we should all again, have from a multiple streams of income aspect, have a digital piece to what we're doing. If we have a mess, if you're a speaker with a message like you, dad, how many of them can benefit from either online coaching, consulting, or a membership or a webinar? Uh, you know, so many things. And most, most speakers have multiple things that they're doing. And most speakers have you know, books, courses, seminars, things like that. And the events that are being canceled right now, um, in my experience, is that I, I had a couple university presentations. Well, universities are closed right now, but we've rescheduled those for September and October. Uh, Kent Julian, our mutual friend, had nine speaking events canceled immediately. Well, they're wow. all being rescheduled other times. There are things like uh, Tony, Tony Robbins has a Unleash the Power Within event coming up like next week in um, California. I forget exactly where it was, 12,000 people. Mm. The state said, you can't do this. So a 12,000-member event where people had already booked flights and hotels, done. And it'll come back. I mean, they'll, they'll do it another time. My strategic coach program that where I was to go to that was in two weeks to go to Chicago. And frankly, I thought they'd just continue that as a small group of us. They'd get together, but no, they, they canceled that as well. well I already, I've already paid hotel air, air flight for that. It, no, I never, you know, is there a place dad? I know you have a, I've seemed widely promoted Venn diagram of your multiple streams of income. I'm putting you on the spot here. Is that something that people can get? Uh, somewhere. We can make it available any way that you want to. Sure, I share that readily. Uh, I've got a couple different models. Okay. One is specifically for, um, yeah, I don't have like a URL to go and get that. I can make that available. Well, yeah, by the time we do this, I'll I'll try to put it in the intro. So as you're hearing this, hopefully I will have put it in the intro away for you to get it. Because you have, in a very similar um, environment as Mary, as a, as we'll call it an influencer, a personality, an infopreneur, whatnot, coach, speaker, presenter, that you have a significant amount of revenue from paid speaking gigs. And, uh, and you already talked about the live events that now you're, you're not doing, but those were pieces of your model. And for us again, to look forward with, responsibility and stewardship of our businesses and say, gosh, I need multiple streams of income. I and mean, that's an old book by who was it? Robert Allen, Robert Allen. Yeah. Uh, to look at that and say, I've got, I need, I need, everybody needs multiple. We need to not rely on all our eggs in one basket. And even there, if you have, how many are in your Venn diagram, six, seven, eight different, seven, seven streams of income. Could you have half of those disappear and still exist? Wouldn't that be a smart way to run your business? to where you are going back to the self-sustaining aspect. So everybody says, Hey man, if electricity goes off, I've got a bunker back here and I got food and I've got a solar panel and I've got a, you know, water treatment system. And I've got, okay, what about for our revenue, especially, well, I was gonna say, especially for us business owners, but for anybody talk about eggs in one basket, when you're an employee, you're a hundred percent there. And if you, those are the people who are most vulnerable people who get a paycheck on Friday, they're the most vulnerable right now. People who have stepped out of that into anything more non-traditional, entrepreneurial, you know, really should have multiple streams of income. It's doable. I mean, as an author, you know, I've got lots of different things that create income. So I'm not 
exposed in that if one stops, everything is dead in the water. And, and right it, now, I mean, I, I know that I'm in a fortunate position, but I've got a lot of things that continue. I mean, I can look at bank deposits today and they continue just as they have been because there's so many things that are built, not just on what happened today, but I'm getting paid in what happened six months ago in some cases, and some cases getting paid in what will happen six months in the future. There's a fluidity there of income. And then a lot of people who are in monthly memberships where those continue. I mean, that's the thing about if you have one job, you have one source of income, one person can make a decision as to whether or not you're going to get paid this week or not. You know, if I have 900 people in an online community, I have to have 900 people decide, I don't want to do this anymore for me to be out of business. If 10 people say, I don't want to do this, it really has a very insignificant effect. Well, let's hit on that, Dad, right there, because we've got a couple things there. One, we're saying as business owners, for all you entrepreneurs out there, that you're going to be doing well to, let's say, diversify multiple streams of income. This is, you know, back to what Mary was talking about. And that's talking about Pete Vargas. That's such a big part of his provision is helping people say, look, if you're a paid presenter, that should be the tip of the iceberg with the revenue streams that you have. So to anybody, whatever is your primary offering in your business, what can you do to diversify? But let's jump real quick, dad, to the to the employee. Now we could say, should they have a side gig going on generating revenue? That is one place though. Another one, and we're back to, and gosh, this is, I don't know how dated this book is now Lynchpin by Seth Godin, which is to make yourself indispensable. So if you've got a company that's got 10 employees or a thousand employees, are you one of the ones that has master has created mastery and what you do become indispensable? So you're the last one uh, to be let go and have that security in there. And then, of course, the other piece of this is back to the financial. Even if you're an employee or a small business person, do you have income reserves? Are you living on less than you bring in so that you've got those reserves? All these areas, I wonder if that's what we, I hope, I know for me it is. It's one of the things that's bringing me to my own stewardship, my own stewardship and responsibility to be uh, bolstering my sustainability as an individual, as a business owner. Am I doing that? And I think a lot of us are finding ourselves in, in arrears right now. And this may be the big wake up call that we all to have us all do what we should have been doing anyways. Well, it, it is. It's a point that a lot of people get to for a variety of reasons. This just happens to be one, but it kind of brings in question the work models that we have that we can take advantage of. And my bookkeeper was here yesterday. Well, she used to be a bookkeeper for a company. Typical 40 hours a week, boom. Well, she decided she didn't want to do that anymore. And really, most companies don't need a bookkeeper 40 hours. They may need one 15. And so they have that person doing other kinds of duties just to justify paying them for 40 hours. So she stepped out of that and she decided she now has eight clients. So she comes to me one day a month. Mm. But she has eight clients where she does that. Now, a lot of people think, well, if I leave my normal job, I lose my security. Well, this is an example where we realize that's not security. Moving away as my bookkeeper did, where she now has eight clients, increases her security dramatically. If she loses one or one business closes, she doesn't lose everything she's got. She loses one eighth of what she has. But it's just, again, there are a lot of models and nothing's right or wrong, good or bad. 
will always have a lot of options, but this is a time where a lot of people will take a fresh look at what they've chosen and they may choose something else moving forward. And that's what gets me is to look at if we all said, look, we need to ongoing. Is this going to, I'm sure this will cause a rash of people. If we just uh, recover quickly and solidly from the coronavirus right now, it's going to have a lot of people thinking about keeping some reserves of, if nothing else, just, you know, some food. Uh, We should always have that. So it would it not all call us to say, man, we all need to be in a place where we can exist for a few months without revenue and whether that's saving up money, whether it's having multiple streams of income, whatnot. I mean, we know that you, dad, you've preached that for years that so many people who are in a job that they don't like is not a good fit. And yet they stay in it. They finally get fired and then realize later on, gosh, that was the best thing that happened to me. I wish it happened to me a long time ago, but how much even there though, when they were fired, they now have to scramble generally to find the next job. Don't have as much bandwidth to make a really wise decision as if they had taken three months and really pursued and thought out and planned out finding a better fit down the road. And, you know, instead of us, like we are now waiting till the crisis, well, yeah, the best time to look at new options is when things are going really well. Yeah. And yet that's kind of counterintuitive. Most people don't. They wait until there's a crisis and then they look for a Band-Aid solution. Yeah. But it, it often does stimulate people to, to look more at the long term. You know, what, what would I do to prevent myself from being in this position? Again, a lot of people will be doing that. So now we'll go forth and everybody will keep three months worth of toilet paper in their attic from here on. Now, apparently. apparently. <laughs> well, here's you one know. I thought you, you would like, Dad, uh, or you'll, you'll have, a, have some to offer to is Jason Gary. He says, I've been doing sales strategy and copywriting work for a couple of small businesses. One is temporarily shut down because they sell to K to 12 schools. Any suggestions on where to pick up extra work would be greatly helpful. I'm going to reach out within the local business community to suggest pivot points, as well as looking for opportunities on clearvoice.com. And he said, it's kind of like Upwork, but strictly for content creators. Um, so I, I just happened to stumble upon somebody who I want to say I know, or I know of connected to you, dad, command, constable, uh-huh. oh, you know, did he come through your, through 48 days? Yes. Okay. I apparently he's in that line because he, his page and his, his, uh, name is K I M A N Z I. And then constable, just like it sounds, I don't know him. I mean, kind of know of him and we're Facebook friends or whatever, but I don't know that I ever met him face to face. He over the past few days has been sending out an incredible amount of content for writers, for copywriters, for people who are providing content on places where you can, uh, you know, get paid, get paid to, to, to provide content and resources that right now are probably at an all time high as people are online looking for information. Yeah. Yeah. This is something again that companies are going to be looking for in terms of promotions they've got coming up for the fall, next spring, next year, or an author or a publisher who's looking to release a book a year from now. This is not something that's just start and stop day to day when you're doing copy, sales strategy, and copywriting. This next week, I'm having a young lady come back on as a guest in our coaching mastery program. She came in there as a a scared single gal making $78,000. She's an attorney. She's making $78,000 at a firm, but really wanted to move away from that. And one of the things that she knew she was really good at was copywriting. Mm of the work that she did writing death positions other attorneys would ask her to write things up because she was so good with crafting words so Mm -hmm. she thought i can teach people to do that well to make a long story short 
uh, she moved into that, came through our coaching mastery program. And last year she broke $500,000. Holy moly. Now she can have a little bit of a downturn in what she's doing in terms of copywriting and still be okay because she's so good in that space. And this is one of those times as well, the old Steve Martin thing, and it'd be so good. They can't ignore you. Yeah. Just be so excellent in yeah. what it is that you do. You get a lot of, a lot of immunity from the ups and downs that other people experience. What is it that makes you distinctive? And I'd ask Jason that, you know, what is it that makes you distinctive? I mean, just as a quick example, I mean, I'm known still as a career coach. You put in career coach in a Google search, you're going to get 14, 15 million sites come up. I'm probably in there somewhere. I have no idea where it doesn't really matter. You put in 48 days. I own that. I'm going to own the first two pages of a Google search, not because of fancy SEO or because I'm paying for ads or anything. It's because I'm the guy who says you can change your life dramatically in 48 days. If you create a plan and act on it, not when the kids graduate, when you pay off the mortgage. No. So in anything, if it's physical therapy, if it's a chiropractor, if it's a copywriter, if it's selling cars, what makes you stand out? What can you do to make you really distinctive to be the go-to person, the go-to guy or gal in your industry? And that's a question we're, we're always looking for. And if you can identify that, you have a lot of, again, not, not impacted in a way that others are in these challenges. Well, and again, this is show 770. Well, I want to say it's show 668, 666, something like that, where we talked about that issue of what problem do you, or, or who do you serve? Who is your target audience? What problem do you solve? Being laser focused on that. And then, yeah, how do you stand apart having that brand? And I think we have gotten, especially in a great economy and a really good economy, we get lazy with that until something like this happens. And again, just like I talked about to you, you know, in the company where you're floating along uh, smooth sailing and then things hit hit the wall uh, with the company or there's a merger or whatever, are you one of the ones who is indispensable? Uh, if, if Grove is one of 20 chiropractors that I can arbitrarily choose from, yeah. he's in trouble. Yeah. But if he's the go-to guy because of the unique, ingenious, creative things he does, boy, it doesn't matter who the others are. He's the guy I want to see. Yeah. Well, so in, in a similar light, Soma here, she's who you know. Uh, yes. Yep. She's gone through you guys too. She said, I was planning a big benefit concert for some charities to celebrate the launch of my book. I plan to have ambassadors for things like suicide prevention, drug and alcohol addiction recovery, and DV awareness, all issues addressed in my memoir. There's so much involved, a silent auction of my artwork and much more. I'm not sure how I can convert all this into a launch online and still benefit all the people and charities I want to help. My encouragement with something that is so focused on a physical event like that is just postpone it. Okay. Put it off. I mean, she's doing a revised version of her book, if I'm not mistaken. A book ought to be timeless. It's not like, I mean, if you wrote a book about the coronavirus, yeah, it's got a, a timeline to it. But my book, the, one of the ones, you know, that I wrote, 40 Days of the Work You Love, and I just did a 20-year anniversary edition of that the same core principles, but just updated because of changes in the workplace. But I don't care what that book does this month. Now, what I'm interested in looking at, what does it do over a three-year period? But somewhere has that to her advantage. It doesn't matter if she does that six months from now. 
there's nothing so significant about the timing of a release of a book that you can't postpone or move it around arbitrarily. Well, and you know, you're an expert in the, not just as an author, but in the publishing world. So I know there's lots you can say there, my thought too. And I actually don't know this exactly about Soma, but I, I had an author recently and they were talking of, actually, I saw something from my, uh, somebody you mentored, Jeff Go, uh, Goins, is that how you say his name? Jeff Goins, yeah. Yeah. And him talking about so many people who have a book and they want to get that thing out there. And he's saying, is that, is that a message? I think his, I think it was on the world doesn't need another book. It needs another yeah. good book, a better book, a better message. And he says, is that something you have been serving people with for years? Is that something you've been blogging about that you've been putting out there? And, and my thoughts, I don't know if he said it to this standpoint, but growing an audience, have you been serving and growing an audience? We have so many people recently, the big, uh, uh, you know, unicorn author, it seems like is Mark Manson with his, his books, the subtle art of giving an, an F and, you know, he, he's got talk about a brand though. Uh, even if you're, if you're not of that flavor, a brand, but the guy has been blogging for years and built up an audience for years, which enabled him to go out and get a good book deal and have a big launch. And he's selling lots of books. But in that, for those of you who so many have a message, are you building an audience? That power is, uh, again, still, it's it's old news for you, Dad. But you've been talking about it for years, and it's still so many people who have that message, have that thing they want to come out, and in one fell swoop, go boom, here it is, and they haven't yeah. built anything, they haven't been serving within it for yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good point. And because of that, an author should have a, again a lot of fluidity with what's happening right now, because there's very little that an author would do that is time sensitive. If it had value yesterday. It ought to have value a year from now. Yeah. So we can go with this. See, this is a temporary postponement. Plan that big event that you want to have. Plan it for you know November. You know, give it a Christmas theme. Add to it. And go ahead and plan. Just postpone it. Yeah. All right. Deanna Ordinez. She says, I'm a rep for a financial tech company who lends on recreational items, motorcycles, motorsports, off-roading, outdoor sports, etc. We are 100% impacted on the retail traffic and downswing attitudes of people to buy items that are non-essential. My first thought is just what you've been saying, that that, you know, chances are, we hope that it's a, a short-term hold on, and then it's going to pick up. I mean, I live up here, as you know, dad, in a small town outside of Colorado Springs, and we, in the summer, it is bumper to bumper track traffic of people coming up here to do every outdoor sport known to man and motorcycles and off-road stuff that they, that the types of vehicles that are up here on trailers is just unprecedented. I can't even figure out what half of them are. Uh, many, many tanks, you know, some of them look like, but those things, I can't imagine this summer people aren't going to be looking to do that. And we know that now granted there's an expense there, but my goodness, even back if we go to the Great Depression, I mean, people still look to fill their time with entertainment, with something fun to do. And I would think so that, to, yeah, go ahead. Today, it's 74, excuse me, 74 degrees here in Franklin, Tennessee. When people hear, hit, get that burst of warm air, they're going to be thinking motorcycles, boats, I mean, I think, again, that's going to be a temporary impact there. Yeah, you know, people may be cautious about making an expenditure right now, but boy, the weather, warm weather is going to come regardless of what's happened with the virus. 
warm weather is going to come in the next 30, 60 days. People are going to be, it's going to be impossible to resist the kind of motorsports, the kind of things you're talking about. I think people will gravitate back to those. Maybe they'll um, reward themselves thinking that I'm going to give myself a gift because of this heartache that we've just been through. But I, I think that'll bounce back. Quickly. I think that's relevant. And again, as the gentleman in the uh, car dealership did, maybe it's a great time you're in the lending industry to give a good deal, uh, give them a, a better rate, give them a bonus. If you, you know, we often looked at how can we give a discount? Is there some? Is there an add-on uh, that you can do instead of a discount or along with? And look sure. at doing Buy a motorcycle, also. get a four pack of toilet paper. <laughs> <laughs> That's brilliant, actually. Sure thing. Uh, Tammy Noons here. She says, I'm a dog and people trainer. She, she's uh, she's participated here before. Dog and people trainer, but also offer dog boarding as well. This time is one of, usually one of my busiest times of the year for boarding. I rely on March's income heavily. Everyone has canceled. I feel blessed as I have a savings account. Beautiful. But this will affect us greatly. I'll be honest here. I live in Hawaii. The weather has been cloudy and rainy as well. And I'm finding it hard to stay motivated and follow through with some of the online business ideas. It's a strange time. I really look forward to hearing this podcast. Um, yeah, yeah. A couple things in there. Obviously, she's got her business, but I also just tuned into, you know, here we are in a struggling time. The weather's bad. It's hard to stay motivated. Reminds me of my childhood teaching from you and Zig that this is the time to put in some good information, some good input to keep, to elevate that motivation and inspiration in a time when it's really easy to let it drag down. And in our culture today, when we're more connected than ever, everybody's going to be sharing the doldrums and sharing the poor me's. And that's what we're going to see in social media. It'd be a good time to turn that junk off and put in a Zig Ziglar tape or a Dan Miller tape. Don't you think? <laughs> well, you probably got tired of hearing me as a little kid too say, <laughs> I carry my sunshine inside. Me. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. I'll tell you where to put that sunshine. <laughs> uh, well, but in looking at what Tammy's saying here, I'm a dog yeah. and people trainer, also offer dog boarding. All right. If you're a dog and people trainer and you don't have anybody coming in, everybody canceled. Wow. Could you take this time, take two weeks and develop a course, do some videos about how to train your dog. You may discover putting up a video that people pay $9.95 for, you know, and you have a thousand people that buy that, it could surpass the income that you were used to getting in an entire year. Yeah. Just think about how could you use your intellectual expertise, your unique value, how could you reframe it so that you allow people to experience it in a different way than just being there in person with their dog? And think about the leverage. I mean, when you're working with somebody's dog or a person training them, you've got, you're locked into just that one dog. If you have a video course that's up there or another kind of course, however you want to do it, you can have a hundred people that are participating at exactly the same time because technology allows you to leverage that. And that's a lot of what I've done as, as a, a speaker coach, rather than just looking for the next one person I'm going to coach, we've put together training programs for coaches that they can walk right through. We've got coaching 101 that they can go through. We've got coaching with excellence, a course that they can go through. And those are things that happen while I'm sleeping that don't require my time and give me a lot of uh, leverage in times like this where if nobody comes in to see me personally, now frankly, what I'm seeing is an increase in people who want personal coaching. They're, they're 
eager. They're reaching out saying, wow, I don't want to be vulnerable like this again. Yeah. What are some options? So I can, so for me, things have really escalated, but just take this opportunity, Tammy, to see what you could do as a dog trainer. That's not dependent on people walking in the door to see you personally, but you could still, you could do an ebook. You know, you could do a little illustration book and course you can do a whole lot of things based on the knowledge that you obviously have. So mainly this shows an advertisement 48 days because everybody needs what you got. So everybody <laughs> go to 48 days. Uh, literally. I mean, this is, this is your topic right here. And, you know, on that note, thanks for bringing it up, dad, that I've seen a lot of postings on what I'm trying to bring one to mind and I can't, maybe you will, what so-and-so famous author, personality, historical figure uh, created during a quarantine back in the 1800s. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Shakespeare was quarantined because of the plague and he wrote King Lear. Okay. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. That, and that's brilliant. What can you develop during this time? So for myself, as things have slowed down in some areas, it's a great time for me to be putting my nose at the grindstone on finishing the book proposal on outlining another business endeavor that I need to just, again, nose the grindstone and write and create and do that while things are quiet and take advantage of that time. And I think for a lot of us, so yeah, yours to Tammy, what could you, this is something you would tell her anyways. Again, I call calling us back to what is the, what are the multiple streams of income? What are the things that we can do to bolster our sustainability and our revenue streams ongoing things? I think we should have always done, but it's easy to get lazy not address those things when things are humming along as we assume and shouldn't assume they always will. Here, here's another one. Yeah. I'll, I'll stick this in. Yeah, yeah. 1934, Charles Darrow of Germantown, Pennsylvania was unemployed to amuse himself and pass the time he created a board game that provided the possibility of fame and fortune. He approached Parker Brothers. They weren't interested. He kept going. He had some help from a friend who was a printer and he sold 5,000 handmade sets of the game. People loved it. As the demand grew, he couldn't keep up with all the orders, came back to talk to Parker Brothers again. And the rest, they say, is history. The game is called Monopoly. I saw, yeah, go ahead. Best-selling board game in the world, sold in 111 countries, produced in 43 languages. Um, it's sold, they estimate that in its history, over a billion people have played it over oh 275 gosh. million games have been sold worldwide now, we, he did that because he was unemployed and he tried to figure out what he was going to do rather than just sit there twiddling his thumbs i'm pretty sure and that was during the great depression i'm pretty sure the same is true of scrabble if i if i remember those ah, two because okay. both of them that we have that i read both of those were created during the great depression because people were looking for something to do. Uh, we have two monopoly games for some reason at our home that we played last Saturday, uh, with, I think five of my kids, they had their own rules. They called it prison rules, monopoly. So don't ask. Uh, ah. but that, uh, yeah. How amazing. But yeah, during the great depression did that happen? Yep. So incredible. Unemployed, no income, pretty developed monopoly. Caroline Delaney here. She says, I have a print magazine. Most of our distribution spots are closed or not allowing magazines. We're focusing on our online presence, but are not set up, nor have, uh, nor have we sold any digital advertising. I'm thinking about doing anything around, uh, or, or, or thinking about doing anything around sales right now seems 
icky. Okay, so she's referring back to what some people are saying to, to try to come out with something, to try to sell to people during this time feels a little sketchy. I think you have to discern what it is you're doing and what you're, you know, why you're doing it. Uh, you know, coming back to your offering with 48 Days Eagles of a dollar, what a great offering. What a great place for people to go spend their time doing that right now. Engage. I, even that, folks, to engage in an online, there's another thing. Go engage in an online community around your areas of interest or your areas of business and spend your time doing that as opposed to figuring out what I keep seeing online is what, you know, fiction, I love fiction novels, folks, but you know, everybody's looking, how can I stock up and do nothing but that or, or binge on the next Netflix, you know, show or whatnot. Can we do some productive time, uh, put that in here, but to Caroline as well, you know, it's a call out that she, she thought that they were set up, but not really, they were not prepared for this. And again, I think it's going to call us all to how can we prepare for not that we're going to be pessimistic and expect another crisis down the road, but just as a fact of health that how arrogant or, or I, I say this honestly, dad, with life insurance, I mean, people who don't do that, it is arrogant of me in my zest for vitality and health and wellness for my family it is arrogant to think that I can't get taken out today, driving home, uh, by, by another driver or whatever, I've got to be prepared for that. And yet here we are. And I think it's just exposing how tenuous our lives are. We have allowed them to get our businesses, our lives in general. Well, yeah. And with, with a print magazine historically, you have three sources of income. You have subscription sales, advertising sales, and then locations, distribution sales. Those are the three. You've got to have all three or you're really in trouble anyway. Well, as our methods of communication have changed, a lot of traditional print magazines have gone by the wayside. Some like Success Magazine now comes out only once a quarter rather than once a month, but they have a very robust, vibrant online presence. So we have to see these changes. It's not just that places are closed, but the whole idea of magazines these days have changed. So I hope that Caroline is making those kind of adaptations where distribution spots are one tiny portion of what our income would be. Yeah. Having magazines. Hey, and I know we've gone long in the show and uh, there's, there's a good number of uh, responses we didn't get to. And for those folks, I'll just post on there that, Hey, we only got this far. And if they want uh, really want some input, maybe you and I can do it uh, offline, but I, I trust we've given, uh, some comfort and some hope, if nothing else, if not a specific idea to go after right now. I do feel like it's hard as as of the publishing of this show to not think, hey, we we all need to figure out what the next couple couple weeks entail. And as much as I want to say, hey, what can we do now to uh, come up with another option that, yeah, it's it's hard to build out, make a huge investment in something that may be short lived. So the next couple of weeks will tell a lot. The biggest call out again, I feel like is what I've continued to come to is uh, we need to be bolstering our businesses, our own finances so that we are not waylaid like our culture is. I think that is going to be the interesting and unfortunate reality is to look at, even if it is a short lived span, how much devastation it did on so many people, where the credit ratings go when people weren't able to make the loan payments on things because they're living month to month, check to check. They've got yeah. businesses that are dependent on one stream of income. So it's probably a relevant wake up call, a good one for all of us, but but uh, sure have feelings for those who are going to are going to have some wounds from this. Yeah. And I'd like to add one thing just yeah. as kind of a, a wrap up here. 
Kevin, I shared this with you earlier in the week, yeah. but it's a piece written by C.S. Lewis yeah. in 1948. So you get the time frame. This is not written currently. This is when they were living in daily fear of the atomic bomb. We, they knew that it could happen. So C.S. Lewis, being a great theologian and author in England, wrote this then. This is the first point to be made and the first action to be taken is to pull ourselves together. If we are all going to be destroyed by an atomic bomb, let that bomb, when it comes, find us doing sensible and human things, praying, working, teaching, reading, listening to music, bathing the children, playing tennis, chatting to our friends over a pint and a game of darts, not huddled together like frightened sheep and thinking about bombs. They may break our bodies. A microbe can do that, but they need not dominate our minds. I mean, I'm finding so many things historically that are encouraging mm -hmm. about what we're confronting. This is not new. Yes, it's never been this particular virus, but there's been many, many things very similar to this throughout history. Yet people survive. And I, as, as you alluded to earlier, I mean, one of our best defenses is keeping ourselves healthy. Yeah. That means keeping our spirits up, staying positive, showing concern for each other. We'll, we'll get through this. And I love these questions. Thank you for your readers for submitting their great questions. These are things that allow us all to be thoughtful together and find creative solutions. Well, hey, thanks for bringing your insight and your wisdom uh, to the show. And as always, to me as your firstborn son. <laughs> Thanks, Dad. Okay, friends, if you have a small business in crisis, I hope this show has given you some ideas or at the least hope in itself. I know for me, it gives conviction to continue preparing my business to withstand whatever may come whenever it may come. Coming up in episode 770, honestly, another special edition show to meet the times that we are in right now. The title is expect the best, prepare for the worst and maximize what comes. It's about encouragement, especially in time of crisis. It's simply the difference between success and failure. Are you right now feeling encouraged are the facts? And I do that in quotes, the reality uh, and the latest stats from the media directing your attitude and anxiety, or are you holding fast to faith and truth and inspiration? This is, again, a special edition episode really prompted by Tom Ziegler sharing a message straight from the heart of everything Ziegler stands for, encouragement, not Pollyanna platitudes, but the true belief of those who will overcome. Till then, folks, thank you as always for letting me walk with you as we inspire our true performance together.